Well, it's great to worship together, and I love the, the lyrics in that. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. And really that song is about what do you worship and how does what you worship transform you from the inside out. You know, if you're new with us, we've been studying verse by verse the book of 2 Kings since the beginning of the year. And we're picking back up in that story. And we actually have learned about a king named Jehoash, also spelled Joash. It gets a little confusing in the text. But he was a miracle king. His grandma went crazy, I call her rabid grandma, Queen Athelia, and tried to kill him off. And God supernaturally rescued him through his, uh, a priest by the name of Jehoiada and his aunt. And now we're picking up on the rest of that story, which is here's finally a good king in the southern kingdom of Judah. Finally someone who's leading people in the right way. Until the king of Syria to the north, Haziel, comes into his life. See, we're all going to have a Haziel come into our life at some point. It might be a circumstance we don't like. It might be a challenge we don't like. When Haziel comes into our life, we find out there's a big difference between what we profess we value and what we really value. And we're going to discover that our priorities always reveal what we prize. So we might say we prize A, B, or C, but our priorities, how we spend our time, money, and energy... We always prioritize what we really prize. And when Haziel comes into Joash's life, we find that all the professing he's been doing about God, it doesn't show up in his priorities. And with that, it would be a little convicting, but hopefully very encouraging today because we're going to look at three questions. Three questions that can set us up for success long term and also keep us from some of the constant uh, cycles that we see these kings going through. How do we diagnose our own hearts to prize what really matters and what can never be taken away? So let's begin the chapter with the first question. Where do I waffle? Do you have any areas in your life that you kind of are a little squishy? I'll trust God as long as he does A, B, or C. But if God doesn't grant me this or if the the world doesn't grant me this, I'm mad at God because I deserve things. Are there areas of compromise, areas of, you know, this is so important to me. Maybe it's even become more important than God. We get some hints at that here as we begin the chapter. Here's what happens. Joash. In the seventh year of Jehu, remember he became king at seven years old after God saved him, Jehoash became king. And man, he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. And finally, we've been waiting for this forever, a king of Judah, Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord. All the days in which Jehoiada, his spiritual father, adopted dad, was with him. But, oh, not a but, not a but, but the high places were not taken away. Got one little area, one but that he's going to waffle. It's not going to show up till the end of the chapter, but there's a but. It goes on to say, and the people still, there's another waffling, they still sacrificed and burnt offerings and incense on the high places. See, these are so small, they seem incidental compared to all the good things he's doing. But these become a little bit of a fracture that begin to fracture. And we begin to see that he says he prizes God, but actually by the time Haziel shows up, we wonder if that's really true. However, at this point, he's doing great. So let's celebrate what he's doing great. So what does he do? What does it mean to, to, to walk in the way of the Lord? Well, next part of the verse, he turns to the priests. He said to the priests, all the money from the dedicated gifts that bring, people are bringing in, because they love God and they love the trespass offerings and the sin offerings God's provided for us. All that money coming in to the house of the Lord, including each person's assessment mon- uh, census money, each person's assessment money, and all the money that a man, I love this line, 
purposes in his heart to bring to the house of the Lord. Isn't that a great line? It's the same thing talked about in the New Testament. God doesn't want your guilt giving or shame giving. God loves when we purposefully give, strategically give from a cheerful heart. And Joash is like, man, the people are so excited about God and what God's doing in our midst and God's doing in our kingdom. Man, they are just purposely in their heart. They're giving all this money. So what let's do, he goes on to say, let the priests take that money that's being poured out from the people, each from their constituency, and let them, besides the, the operational costs that are going on day to day, let's also reallocate some of those resources to repair the damages of the temple. Why are the uh, temple damaged? We'll get to that. I'll just say, rabbit grandma is back. She's like a cockroach. can't quite get rid of her. We'll find out in a second. So the temple's been damaged, and he's like, let's repair this thing. And, man, the people are excited about that. So they start allocating some resources to repairing the damage to the temple wherever they found any dilapidation. And as I was reading this about nine months ago, as I was prepping for the series, I was so encouraged. Can I tell you? So encouraged, not only what, what, what Joash did, but I was so encouraged to be part of a place that has the same thing happening. Incredible, purposeful, strategic, cheerful giving all the time. I mean, we've been able to weather as a church the storms of COVID, the storms of 2008, because of your purposeful, cheerful giving. But even more than that, what encouraged me is some of the same things he practiced have been part of our practice. See, as, as we as a board and a team member and leaders at the church, as we allocate resources, we think about the short-term needs, like the priest's operation day-to-day, how do we worship, how do we grow, how do we learn Torah, but also how do we plan for the intermediate and long-term needs, how do we keep things repaired? How do we keep things fixed? And you may not know this, but we have a whole team of folks who've developed a 30-year strategic plan related to our building. They have thought about not just the leaky roofs, that's intermediate, right? That could happen. But the long-term plan, we have when we need to replace this roof the first time and the second time, planned out over 30 years. And because of that, for the last 20-plus years, we actually allocate a portion and a percentage of what you give to God's work at Horizon, and we put that so that we can prepare for not what's happening now, but what's happening in the future as well. And of course, that happens, right? So if you were here for Christmas, one of our services, you know, the sprinkler kicked on and got a whole bunch of us wet, so we had to fix that thing, and, and, and there's always this hallway here is almost always closed during the winter because there's one day that, you know, breaks the pipes so of refixing those and insulating it. But rather than coming back to the congregation saying, hey, we got a leaky roof, let's raise some money, your cheerful giving, God's incredible faithfulness, and best practices in managing money have really served us well. In fact, more than that, as we look at the, the last 20 years, we've really been able to do that in, in not only the, the infrastructure of this facility, but also our technological infrastructure as well. In fact, right now between Roku and Apple TV and our app, a portion of that money also goes to update that, which allows us to bring our living room into your living room. We're still finding that there's two people watching from their living room while we're here together every single week. And so it's just been amazing to see your faithfulness and some of the things Jehoiada was doing, or Joash was doing, things we've had a regular part of our practice. And if you think about that, you know, maybe whether you attend here in person or whether you watch uh, from your own living room, maybe you just didn't realize how we've tried to plan for short, medium, and long term. And I hope you feel this so faithful and confident and what God's doing for you, what God's prompting you, we need your gifts, we thank you for your gifts, and we're trying to wisely allocate your gifts as well. Because what is a facility, right? A facility facilitates something. It's not just buildings, right? 
it facilitates worship. It facilitates community. This year, we had wall-to-wall seating in our Easter services. Six services, hardly any seat in any service. We facilitated people inviting your friends. Many of you said, I had friends there, first-time visitors. They've started coming since then. It facilitated. We had a funeral here yesterday. And at that funeral, we facilitated grief and honor and celebration to be with families in, in a very moving service. 180 of you came last week, and uh, after Shanti Feldhahn talked and Jeff, 180 of you wanted to work on your marriage last week. And so our atrium facilitated marriages improving. I wasn't here last week because I was doing a wedding. And at the wedding, uh, I knew Paul and Ann, but I hadn't spent a lot of time with them. I guess I spent a little more time with them this last weekend. So Paul walks up to me, and, and as we're chatting a little bit, he just reminded me his story. He said, well, Chad, you did the wedding here. That's how I got introduced to Horizon. To really remind me. He says, well, six years ago you did my daughter's wedding. Yeah, I remember that. Well, that's when we started attending the church. We started attending the exploring service. We loved it. We never grew up Catholic, and our expression of Catholicism didn't get into the Bible as much as we liked. So we started learning the Bible. We loved the music. We loved the band. Then we're like, let's try out that equipping service. We started going verse by verse through the Bible, and we love that service. Now we attend there regularly. If you remember Paul's story, it was actually up on the screen because he got baptized. And he just wanted to go public with his faith and his, his faith in Jesus. And so he's just reminding me of all these incredible stories. Now he's volunteering with our ecology team. And, and as we're talking at the wedding, a guy walks up to me and says, hey, I enjoyed the service today. I'm actually, I was down in Florida. Um, I'm from Cincinnati area, Terrace Park. I really enjoyed the service. Uh, tell me about your church. And Paul's standing next to me. And Paul's like, let me tell you about the church. And Paul begins to describe life change in his life and differences in his, in his marriage and what God's doing and what he's learning and all these incredible things. And I'm like... I think he's doing pretty fine. I actually left him there. I figure the guy's going to believe him more if I'm not near him. He's not just saying it in front of the pastor. So I walk away, and Paul's just doing an amazing job. And Paul had told me he wasn't one that really talked about his faith or, or, or talked about church, and now he just can't help himself. So afterwards, he walks up to me, and Paul's like, was I doing a bad job? I'm like, no, you're doing such a great job. I didn't want to wreck it. And he's like, you know, he said, oh, that, the down-to-a-science exploring service we got right now is so amazing. If you come, I'll sit by you. It was just awesome. And again, as I just think about our church, what we're giving toward, what we're seeing God do, it's just amazing that we're facilitating transformed lives and life change. And just in the last year, our attendance, in person and in your own living room at home, people are here watching everywhere and anywhere now, is up 11%. As you can see in this room today, our in-house or in-person attendance is up 40% in each service. Just amazing. So thank you for your giving. Again, thank you for your faithfulness. And just a reminder, what Jehoiada was doing it's just the same kind of practices that God's been allowed uh, to show his faithfulness here. However, I told you that things start well but don't necessarily end well, which gets us to our second question. What does my wealth reveal? The priests say they're going to save this money and invest it. Mm, let's see if they do. So sure enough, our wealth reveals our priorities. So when you look at what it's easy to spend on, what it's easy to invest in, I hope that gets incredibly joyful to you. Hey, I love spending money on the family, family vacations because family matters to God. And, and I love investing in the future because saving matters to God and preparing matters to God. And, and I love giving to God's priorities, be it the church or other priorities he has, because I just love seeing how God uses me as a steward of his finances. On the other hand, sometimes you're like, you know what, I'm getting a little squishy in this area. I'm waffling in this area, my time, my energy, or even my money. Well, that certainly happens with the priests. Look what happens next. So it was in the 23rd year of King Joash. They've been saving money now for 23 years. 
that system he put in place. The priests had not, had not repaired the damages of the temple. They say they're going to do it. They say they prize it. They say they treasure it. They say it's a priority. But for 23 years, they haven't done it. So the king brings in management and some responsibility. King Joash called Jehoiada the priest, another priest. He says, hey. That's exactly how he sounded, by the way. Hey, have you not repaired the damage of the temple? It's been 23 years. Now, therefore, you haven't. Clearly, you haven't. You said you prize it. said you're going to prioritize it. You're not. Therefore, do not take any more money for the operations, your salaries, until we deliver this money given cheerfully by others for the repairing of the damages of the temple. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So the priests agreed that they're going to do that. They're going to start really prioritizing what they and the king say they prize. And they would neither receive more money from the people, our salaries are on hold, nor would they personally repair the damages of the temple. They would hire it out. So I said, where did these damages come from? Well, again, they came from Queen Athelia. In 2 Chronicles, it tells us that the sons of Queen Athelia, when she was reigning in evil, that wicked woman, 2 Chronicles called her, broke up the house of God, but they also broke up all the dedicated things, the trumpets, the, the bowls, all the things used for part of worship. They trashed the place. So they come up with a plan. And here's the plan. Jehoiada the priest, his spiritual mentor and father, took a chest, bored a hole in the lid, set it beside the altar, and on the right side, as people came in the house of the Lord, people would say, oh, this is the money. It's allocated properly. It's going to go to the priorities we've talked about. And people are so amazed by this, so impressed by the management of this, that they're like, I want to give even more cheerfully to what God's doing. So sure enough, the priest who kept the money put there all the money brought into the house of the Lord. It's all coming into this fund. Then, so it was that whenever they saw that there was much money, it's all starting to come up to the edge, in the chest, the king's scribe and the king's priest came up and put it in bags. Hey, let's allocate it, let's count it, let's measure it. They counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they gave the money, which had been apportioned, into the hands of those who did the work, who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. They paid it out to the, and look at all the detail here, paid some to the carpenters, they paid some to the builders, and those who worked on the house of the Lord. Then it goes into all kinds of detail. Hey, we paid some money to the masons and some money to the stone cutters. And we, we bought some timber with it, hewn stone, to repair the damages of the house of the Lord. And all that was paid out to repair the temple. However, remember those articles that had been damaged in Chronicles? They also, there was not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver. Let's repair those. The trimmers, the sprinkling bowls, the trumpets, articles of gold or articles of silver from the money brought into the house of the Lord. But they gave that to the workmen and they repaired the house of the Lord with it. So just amazing that after 23 years, the priest said they prioritized repairing it, but it took the king coming in place to remind them their wealth, how they were spending it, was on their own salaries, not necessarily on God's house. And look at all this detail, what they spent it on. And it's not a lot of opportunities that I kind of pull back the veil and show you kind of how we allocate those resources and where we spend it. But since he did it, I'll just take a moment and do it. It's kind of fun. In fact, if you look at our facility and kind of how we spend that, here's just a few of the ways. Many of you know that when we designed the building, we designed that fountain out there to be a quiet place to be with God. We also designed it as a place for family photos. Well, that fountain stopped working, um, and so we've had plumbers out there, people tearing up the whole area to get that thing going again to recreate that sacred space we had. We just did that in the last year. 
If you were here during COVID, you'll recognize that out in our atrium, we redesigned the atrium because our friends and family coming to church, the flow wasn't working quite right for big services. We redesigned the furniture out there, kind of updated what was 13 years old. And many of us have talked much we love our facility. We now have a Horizon Ecology team that's partnering with Cincinnati Nature Center to redesign or redesign is probably the wrong word, but to fully allocate our sacred space. We've called it a sanctuary out there to only have native plants and to create more like a, a sacred nature experience and spiritual experience for people coming on our property. People might love our property and eventually come in our doors because of it. Now, many of you, like my friend Paul, are volunteering on that team because we want the entire facility to point to God. Here's a couple more. Many of you are watching right now from this room, so the camera's on right there. Um, we have a room that we've redesigned for, uh, for children and families. Originally, it was for mothers who were uh, breastfeeding, but it's become a place where many people invited their friends, invited their friends. There's a whole like, small group and community there of kids that aren't quite ready to go to our children's program yet, but they love gathering together. And so there's a space where people watch the service up on the main screen. There's family resources there. We give away comic book Bibles to all of our families and other parenting resources. And we've been in this building now for almost 13 years, our children's space. It was a big black box theater. We repainted that thing. We redesigned the stage back there. The lighting's were out of date. The video projector didn't really work. So we, we redesigned that and put TVs in place. So our children's program will continue into the next generation to be a place that grabs kids' attention. And where our church's mission for our children's program, kids drag their parents to church is still true. So... Those are just a few of the ways. And then the last way, as I mentioned, we spend a lot of our technological infrastructure is like our Easter service. It was just amazing to be next to us, wasn't it? Just next to people worshiping for six full services. Not only that, but we're also streaming that online and on our app. So I got to tell you, I just am so thankful for your purposeful giving. I'm so thankful for 20 years of strong, wise leadership by our board. And I'm so humbled by God's faithfulness in it. So maybe you haven't given before and you want to be part of what's going on here. It's just purpose in your heart to cheerfully see what God's part of and the lives are being transformed. But I think what strikes this passage to me a lot is how did they miss it for 23 years? It's easy to miss what's right in front of us. In fact, I got done with the Easter service. And man, that second service, I preached so well, I was taking notes on myself. That's how good it was. <laughs> it was that amazing. I got done pouring my heart out, finishing this message. I walk down, sit in that spot right there. I look up as the band starts the song. I'm like, yes. I look down. My zipper had been down the entire message. <laughs> I'm like, well, they, they, they're kind of tight pants. So I kind of did the, this thing. And I'm like, well, maybe nobody noticed. So I walk my way up at the end of the service to hand up my mic. And I see the sound guy. And our creative arts director is like, should we tell him? <laughs> Let's tell him. Oh, no, they know. I'm like, oh, yes, I know, I know. They said, well, why didn't you get the message? What message? Well, they have, we saw it early in the message. So on the back rear projection screen, if you don't know we have one, we put a giant X, Y, Z, P, D, Q. <laughs> Examine your zipper pretty darn quick if you don't know the technology. <laughs> I said, I don't look at the back wall. I look at people when I'm talking. But in the same way, these priests for 23 years didn't see that they weren't allocating to God, didn't see they weren't prioritizing to God, so if they can miss it, I guess I can miss it. So, Which moves us to our last question. And this is kind of where it gets more serious. Because now Haziel's coming in, and we're going to discover that it seems like Joash is doing great. He's got the priests aligned, he's got himself aligned. But here's the real question. 
Do I prioritize God's presence or do I prize protection when I face my Haziel? Tell you what happens. Moreover, things went so well there, they did not require an account from the men into whom the hand had been delivered the money, for they had dealt faithfully. The money from the trespass offerings, I love this, and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priests. So they still now, they're back to operation, paying for the salary. So week, week in and week out, the temple's moving as well as the, the resources that allocated there. But I love this idea that what really motivated the giving to, to God's work was trespass offerings and sin offerings. And aren't you glad we're not in the Old Testament we have to do that? Because of Jesus, he is our trespass offering. He died for us and paid for all our transgressions. He paid for all of our sin offerings. So we don't give because the church needs it. We don't give because the church has got a great 30-year plan. We give because Jesus is our sin offering. And that's what motivates us to love God and create places where other people can discover him as our sin offering. So things are still going well, right? Things are still going well. Till the next verse. Haziel, king of Syria, went up and fought against Gath, the capital city of the Philistines, where Goliath and all the giants lived. And when the king of Syria came, he, he fought against it and he took it. He took the giant's place? Yeah. And then he turned his face toward Jerusalem. He's coming after Joash's hometown. We might profess that we prize and worship God and prioritize God. But if you want to know what you really prioritize, see what happens when Haziel comes into your life. That might be a work crisis. You thought, I never get laid off. I never lose my job. And you do. And you're like, is God still good? Do I still prize God's presence or I just want another job? Is a job better than, than God's presence? For me, it's been special needs. I never imagined the challenges that would come into my life last 13 years. Do I want to get out of special needs or do I want God's presence expressed through it? <laughs> Could I think about that? It was a health crisis, a relationship that's crumbling. Maybe you got a diagnosis like cancer. See, when Haziel comes into your life, that's when you find out what you really prize. It's not like these are made-up fears. I mean, Haziel conquered this site. This is where Gath was. No one could defeat Gath. He conquered and destroyed Gath. Then he turned his faith toward Jerusalem. And this is what it looked like about the size in Joash's day. Everything Joash cares about, his life, his kingdom, his friends, everything's on the line. So now the question is, with everything on the line, do I value God's presence or do I want protection from Haziel? And if I had to choose between the two, which would you pick? Can I have both? No. You've got to prize one over the other. So Joash, king of Judah, took all the sacred things, things dedicated to God. He'd just been prioritizing God for the last 23 years. But in the face of Hazia, he took all the sacred things that his father Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, the kings of Judah, had dedicated and his own sacred things. And all the gold found in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. He is taking three generations of wealth and all of the money his grandfather, great grandfather, grandfather, and father put into God's house, and he's giving it all away. Because though he says he prizes God and God's presence, he'll spend it all 
if he can get Haziel out of his life. But it worked. So they gave three generations of wealth to Haziel. They sent it to him, and he went away from Jerusalem. See, Joash easily gave what he said he valued, God's presence, to what he truly worshipped in value. How about you? We all have some Haziel in our life. We say by prioritize God with our time, our energy, our money. But when faced with that circumstance, that challenge, what does it reveal about what you really value? Here's my premise today. Since we prioritize what we prize, a priority problem is actually a prize problem. So don't work on your priorities. Say, do I really prize God's presence even if I don't like what life's doing? Do I really prize God's strength even if it means I'm going through stuff I wouldn't prefer? Which is more important to me? Eliminating my Haziel or being close to Jesus, being close to God? Now, here's the irony. God is the one thing that the more you hold on to him, it's the one thing you can never lose. You get more and more secure by securing yourself to God. The more you prize him, the more you prioritize him, the more joy and hope you have. Another good thing, nothing wrong with health, nothing wrong with, with, with not wanting to get knocked over by Haziel, but the more you prioritize security, the more you lose it. Look how the passage ends. Now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did are not written in the book of Chronicles in the kings of Judah. And the servants, his own servants, arose, formed a conspiracy, and killed him. Well, that didn't work out well. See, paying off Jaziel or Haziel did not give him security. He needed God's presence and God's protection, whether the enemy came from the north or came from within. For a whole bunch of names I'm going to mispronounce. For Jehozakar, the son of Shimeath, and Jehoshabad, the son of Shomer, his servants, struck him. And he died. And they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. And Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. He lost his power, he lost his position, and he lost his security. But easier said than done. So I want you to hear a story firsthand of someone who's faced his Haziel and how he's trying to lean into God in the midst of it. Some of you may know him. He was on staff here about 13 years ago. If you don't, I want to introduce you to him. Let's give a warm horizon welcome to Matt McKee. Matt, come on down. Well, man, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Chad. It's uh, always a pleasure to come back to Cincinnati. You know, uh, the old joke is, um, if the world ends, you know, Mark Twain said, uh, I'd like to be here because it will end 10 years later. In Cincinnati, yeah. Yeah, right here in Cincinnati. So really, I'm just, I haven't been gone for 13 years. It's really only been three. Uh, that's, uh, and, but, you know, it's, uh, it is. It's, uh, it's always great to, to come back. And for those who uh, remember you or don't, kind of, kind of tell us what you're doing, what you've been doing, and, and what God's been kind of leading you through the last 13 years. Yeah, so uh, since I left here, I've been able to start several different companies. Uh, one uh, was called Circle. Yeah, with Disney. Uh, yeah, it had a little product with Disney. I'm now uh, a part of another company called Bark. Uh, Bark actually helps cover over 6 million kids. I've written a couple books about helping parents and technology. And um, even uh, in, the, in the last year, 
uh, that book really took off and I was supposed to go on a book tour. Like we had 17 cities that we had all planned out. Mm. And then uh, something happened over the last year that really did rock my world. Mm. You know, I was uh, with my family. If you didn't know, I've been uh, married for 23, almost 24 years to an incredible woman. Her name's Jessica. We have two boys. The oldest, his name's Patriot. And the youngest, his name is Aslan. And don't worry, they're their names are cooler than your kids' names. I'm fine <laughs> with that. Um, but we, we found ourselves in Seattle, and we were getting ready to board a cruise ship. And we love to travel. Uh, we love to have experiences. And while we were in Seattle, I all of a sudden had a, a, a really bad pain on my right side. And my mom was a nurse for 45 years, and uh, I call her up. She's like, look, it's probably your appendix. Go to the ER you know, make sure nothing's ruptured, you'll be fine. So I go to the ER there in Seattle, and uh, they do the blood work, and they do the CT scans, and all of a sudden, this doctor, he's a, probably 32 years old, I, I believe I'm the first person he's ever had to tell this. He sits forward, he, he's white as a sheet, and he looks at me and he says, I, I'm sorry, it's not appendicitis. In fact, you have stage four colon, liver, and lymph node cancer. You, and, and he began to just shake. And he said, you're, you're going to have to fight like hell. I, I don't know about you, but, you know, my faith walk when I was growing up, I grew up in church and. God truly did change my life when I was in college. You know, like many of you, I ran from God and I tried all of these other things to see if I could fill my life with, with something that mattered. And then, and then it, it finally hit me that the only thing that mattered was my relationship with God. And in college, I figured out that, that Jesus died for me, that he forgave me. And that he was with me. When you're faced with something like a doctor telling you you have stage four cancer, it really does shake you to the core. But it brought me also back to a place where even when I worked here, you guys allowed us to, to wrestle with our faith. You allowed us to, to ask questions. You allowed us to lead in a way that truly did make a difference, not only in my family's life, but in the community. You see, I don't know what you think about the Holy Spirit. I don't know where you are in your faith. But when that doctor told me, you're going to have to fight like hell, and he left the room, the Holy Spirit came in and he said, you're not going to fight like hell. You're going to win like heaven. That's become our battle cry as a family. Our priorities have changed. Our priorities are God is with us no matter what. You know, this last PET scan wasn't good news. 
In fact, I went through six months of IV chemo and we thought we were going to be able to keep the cancer back. And four months later, the cancer is not only now taken over my liver 100%, it's now in my spleen, it's in my pelvis, it's throughout my ribs, it's throughout my colon, and it's in a bunch more lymph nodes. I don't know how much longer I have. None of us really do. But I can't say this. God is with me no matter what. And that's been really, it's been hard to say, but it's also been a gift. And here's why. You know, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And it goes through all the kings, like all the things that you've been talking about. It goes through Abraham and Moses and Joseph and all these different people. And it says that God showed them the promise, but they never received the promise. But God was with them no matter what. You know, Chad, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but... Um, you're not a great shoe guy. I, I, never yeah, have been. I, never I mean, have been. Yeah. No. Um, not a good shoe guy. Yeah. And, and many of the people in this room that know me um, actually are surprised that I'm dressed down that as is much true, yeah. as, as I am today. They're a little disappointed, <laughs> uh, if I have to say. But, you know, anytime you're on a journey, uh, I actually have a, a special pair of shoes I wear when I go get chemo, and I have a special pair of shoes when I, uh, all, all throughout these journeys. And today, I actually picked uh, the shoes that I have on my feet. Uh, they're Jordan 3 Elephants. Is, uh, and every Jordan has a name. And the reason I picked the elephant is because the elephant has a great memory. Mm. And when I look back at my time at this church, I can't help but have great memories. Mm. The chance that you guys took on a 27-year-old coming from, at that time, Dallas-Fort Worth, coming from a church of 25,000 people and going, okay, yeah, his hair's weird. Yeah, he can't dress right. Yeah, he's got some crazy ideas. You opened up your arms and you said, welcome. And I can tell that you still do that today. That's why when I look around this room, there's so many people in these seats. That's why this church matters. That's why this community matters. Because you even let guys like me wrestle through the faith and come out on the other end and say that God is with me no matter what. I don't have to fight like hell. I get to win like heaven. Well, as a dad, I want to say, and my daughter is now our children's pastor because you were her children's pastor. And so it's a whole other generation that's being impacted by your leadership. I'm proud of the man you are. I'm proud of the man you've become. And I'm proud of the man you're becoming in the midst of this. And thank you for... Uh, be an incredible example of modeling trust in Christ in the midst of this. 
Can we thank Matt? And I want to pray for him. Let's thank Matt. Come on down here and pray for him. Love you, man. Love you, sir. Great cloud of witnesses. Let's pray. Father Job had a day that was just horrific where everything that mattered and he cared about was pulled away. And on that day, in the midst of that news, he crawled his way to the top of his priorities and what he worshipped. And he was able to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and you take away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen.